Chapter 4 Zemmiluni Khadija had never seen Muhammad's face so horrified in her entire life. Love, what happened? He staggered into the house and practically fell onto her, gasping and shaking violently. His eyes were wide, pupils constricted, huge stains of cold sweat all over his clothing. Khadija cried out at the sight of her husband, holding his broad shoulders as he thrashed around. Love, what happened? Muhammad's voice came raspy and wild like he had inhaled the whole desert on his way back from the mountain. Zemmiluni, Dethiruni, Zemmiluni. The Arabic words of cover me, wrap me up, he repeated it again and again and again. Zemmiluni, Dethiruni, cover me, wrap me up. Muhammad knocked over pottery and the stool. What happened? Please. Tell me what happened! Zemmiluni! He gasped, shaking so violently it was as though he were surrounded by ice. He looked like he would collapse. Khadija dashed to a corner of the room and grabbed a handful of blankets resting on top of Umm Ayman's favorite cushion. She returned to Muhammad with tears in her eyes. Zemmiluni! Dethiruni! She threw the blankets over him and wrapped him as tightly as she could. But he kept muttering and gasping for her to cover him and wrap him up, as though they were the only words he could say. Cover me! Wrap me up! Zemmiluni! Dethiruni! I'm here, Muhammad. I'm here, dear. You're safe. Please be alright. Please, love. Muhammad shook and trembled under the covers. His face was as white as a corpse's. Cover me. Cover me. Wrap me up. Khadija put her arms around him tears running down her face. Her heart was pounding in her chest. What had happened? What could turn a man to this state, she wondered. Muhammad was brave and strong-willed. No ordinary threat of death could terrify him this way. No wild animal or desert highwayman could ever spook him this way. Shh. Be still, my love. Please calm yourself. It's me. I'm here. Your wife, you're safe. She could feel his breathing steadying, his trembling slowly subsiding. He couldn't have been stung by a scorpion or bitten by a snake. You could not calm the venom from a man's veins. He probably would not have been able to run from Hira all the way to their home even if he had been poisoned. The only conclusion she could come to to explain such extraordinary horror was the supernatural the otherworldly terrors, the unseen. She held him even tighter. Oh, Allah protect him. Please, my lord, my creator, my most merciful Zemmi master, Luni. protect my husband Cover from all me. ill. Wrap me up. She brushed his hair soothingly. Her headscarf had come off of her head and her hair fell down over him like a curtain. She pressed her cheek against his own, rocking him gently back and forth. Zemmi Khadija, he finally muttered. She composed herself. She had to be strong. She studied his disheveled appearance, his scraped knees and broken sandal. What happened? Please tell me what happened. Muhammad continued to tremble slightly. He didn't want her to let go. 
as though if she did he would fly away into a night sky full of wings. But he had to tell her what had happened. I was in Hira. I saw him. I saw the one from my dreams, Muhammad muttered. What? Muhammad explained everything. The light, the being that descended from the heavens, the booming voice of command, the crushing, and the words. He recited the words from memory. Read in the name of your Lord who created, who created man from blood coagulated. Read, your Lord is the most beneficent, who taught by the pen, taught what they knew not unto men. Muhammad finished. Khadija had waited patiently for him to complete his account, her mind racing, her heart beating as quickly as her husband's now. Muhammad's voice came so feeble, so desperate and pleading. Khadija, I fear for myself. She knew Muhammad well. That simple sentence carried so much behind it. He was afraid, afraid that he had gone mad that he had experienced some devil or jinn in that mountain. From the moment he staggered into the home, he had been overcome by the fear that something was wrong with him. She stood up and faced him. There was energy in her voice. No, 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 Allah will never ever disgrace you. She was trying to find the words. How could she possibly express herself? No, glad tidings to you. I swear Allah will never humiliate you. You connect your family ties. You're honest when you speak. You, you carry people's burdens, uplifting the destitute. You honor your guests. Muhammad, you encourage every type of good. No, I will not hear it. This has to be from Allah. This is a good sign, beloved. Just as I said with the dreams. Muhammad looked up into Khadija's face. For the first time since he staggered into his home, he really saw her. She was right. He was always a servant of God, always close to him. He only did what he thought would please him. Would Allah really set forth an evil upon him? But his mind flashed back to the squeeze that made his ribs nearly crack. He shuddered. This being of light, it couldn't have been a devil. He spoke to you the words of Allah. You said he was the one from the dreams? He nodded. In every one of Muhammad's prophetic dreams, there was always the presence of someone almost like a man watching him, as though he were a guest in Muhammad's vision. The sights and sounds of the future were being delivered to Muhammad by this presence, a message almost. When the being descended on the cave, it was the same presence, the same feeling. The same, he responded. There was a shuffling from outside the door. In all the chaos and confusion, Khadija had forgotten the front door wide open. She put her headscarf back on after tying her hair. She glided to the door swiftly. A bald, feeble man was walking down the street carrying firewood on his shoulders. Khadija whispered to Muhammad, still wrapped up in the blankets. It's Adas, Utbasli. He's a Christian. Perhaps he might know what this means. They have scripture from Allah, do they not? Muhammad said nothing. He was staring at the floor at the broken shards of pottery and spilt water. The last hour was almost a dream. He was still processing. Khadija walked outside into the street. Adas, a moment. Oh, Lady Khadija, blessed night to you. And to you, Adas.
How are you? I am well, but my master needs this firewood, so... I wanted to ask you something. About your scripture. Adas looked surprised. My lady, I do not own a Bible, but it's fairly different to what you Arabs are used to. In your scripture, are there... Are there spirits in it? Beings of light? With wings that speak the words of God? Adas looked even more perplexed. He set the wood on the ground. Why do you ask such a question, my lady? Oh, well... One of my colleagues was out in the desert and thought he might have seen something of that description in the night. Very bright, hundreds of wings. An angel? Yes, exactly. Adas gave a skeptical look. An angel? Here? In this pagan land of idol worship? I doubt it. Who here is worthy of a visit from an angel? Something stirred inside Khadija, but she forced a smile. I see. Perhaps he was mistaken. Thank you, Adas. I won't keep you from your work. Give my greetings to Akpa. Adas gave a bow and scooped up the wood before leaving. Khadija returned to the living room, her husband still wrapped up in blankets, looking broken and unwell. He says it sounds like an angel. Do you not see? Allah has sent an angel to you, Muhammad. See? There is nothing to fear. Muhammad didn't move his gaze from the floor. In his heart, he was still skeptical. Perhaps it was an angel, but perhaps that very same angel was out to destroy him. Khadija suddenly gave a gasp. <gasps> Muhammad flinched. Sorry, sorry. I just remembered. If this is a matter of Allah, then we should speak to my cousin, Waraka. Waraka ibn Nafal. He's one of the few men upon the original religion of Ibrahim. He's like us. He's never worshipped an idol in his life. Muhammad looked at her. She could tell he resonated with the idea. Adas may not know much, but he's a poor slave. Waraka has studied with the scribes and the Hanifs. He knows scripture. He can tell us what this means. If anyone knows anything about an angel, it would be him. We can leave now if you want. Muhammad always respected the Hanifs. They were a rare bunch of ascetics who worshipped one god. They did not really join any religious congregation. They stayed to themselves, not chasing worldly desires, not even marrying. Waraka was a devout monk and he was very knowledgeable in the Bible. Muhammad's voice sounded more like himself, soft and gentle, but articulate and firm. Is he not sick? he asked. Yes, but if we do not get an answer tonight, well, we may not get another chance to ask. Muhammad understood. Waraka was very old and very sick. He was already blind and bedridden. His family had informed Khadija that they did not expect him to live till the next season. He stood up. The blanket slid off of him. Khadija tensed, ready to catch him if he fell. But he was steady. He took a deep breath and walked out into the street. Khadija followed him with a candle in her hand. The tiny flame only illuminated a foot or two in front of them. She was less confident in walking in the dark than her husband. She held the candle out in front of her, Muhammad by her side. He had a unique walk to him. He faced one direction, his eyes level and shoulders upright. He never slouched or dragged his feet. His pace was quicker than the average person. When he turned, he would pivot his whole body on the spot. He always walked with purpose. Khadija held his hand and led the way. She knew where her cousin Waraka lived, but she focused more on Muhammad's face than the streets in front of them. 
She half expected him to look to the skies in fear. His face was still whiter than usual, but he said nothing. She wanted to get him to speak, to keep him occupied. Zay took his wage today, and Ali is getting better with his reading. He says that when he grows up, he wants to be a warrior and a poet. She forced a slight laugh. Yes, I know, he said. She wasn't sure if that meant Ali had told him first, or that he had had a vision of what his cousin had said already. Ali loved his cousin Muhammad, even more than his own parents. So it would not be far-fetched for the boy to share his ambitions with him. Our daughter, Fatima? Muhammad inquired, still walking briskly. With your aunt, Safiya. We expected the shop to be busy, so she offered to take her. Luqayya and Umm Kalthum are with Asma. They should return tomorrow. They miss you. Hearing the names of his daughters gave Muhammad a sense of duty and responsibility. He had to be well, had to find out why this angel had spoken to him. He was a father to Ruqayya and Umm Kulthum, a father to Zaid and his youngest child Fatima, still a newborn infant. Even Ali, who was technically his cousin, still looked to Muhammad as a father figure. Here it is, Khadija whispered as she illuminated a small hut with her candle. The mud hut was humble, cracks in the wall, a flimsy door, and an ancient-looking palm-leaf roof. She reluctantly released her husband's fingers and knocked at the door. A wheezing sound replied. Waraka? Waraka, it is Khadija. I have brought Abu Qasim with me. Waraka, I know it is late, but... The door swung open. A frail old man in tattered robes met them at candlelight. He balanced himself on a cane. My... my dear cousin, what is... <coughs> Please, please, come inside. Waraka ibn Nawfal's home smelt like damp earth and old dates. There was very little in it. In his health, Waraka had lived a very simple existence. But as he approached death, there was even less in his collection of worldly possessions. Waraka sank into a cot on the floor. His blind eyes were milky white. His lips and jaws quivered. Muhammad held Waraka's head up and adjusted the rag he was using as a pillow. He tried to make Waraka more comfortable, but the rag offered little luxury. What brings you... <coughs> what brings you here, my lady? Listen to the story of your nephew, O oh cousin. Waraka turned to Muhammad, who wasn't really his nephew, but it was common manners for the Arabs to call elders uncles and younger ones nephew. What have you seen, O oh nephew? He explained everything. The dreams with the visions, his routine trips to Hira, the being of light with hundreds upon hundreds of sparkling wings, and the words, read. As he told the story, Waraka wheezed through quicker and quicker breaths. His white eyes grew wide, and at the finality of the story, he jolted upright with surprising strength. It cannot be Jibril here in Mecca. Khadija and Muhammad looked startled. Jibril, Who was Jibril? As though answering their unspoken questions, he blurted out, This is the same keeper of secrets that God sent to the Prophet Musa, the Archangel. So it was an angel? Sent by Allah? Waraka continued in his excitement, rising from his cot, looking around the room, though he couldn't see anything. The same! The same angel sent to every prophet. We had been waiting, 
waiting for so long, but not since the Messiah has God sent the revelation to anyone. Muhammad was confused. What was he talking about? Messiah? Revelation? Prophet? It was foretold! Waraka continued, finally finding and grabbing a slab of tree bark with words inscribed on it from beside the cot. You are the prophet of this nation. He waved the tree bark at Muhammad's face, who tried to explain that he couldn't read. Why was everyone asking him to read tonight anyways? But Waraka was not listening. I wish... <coughs> I wish I still had the strength of youth and could live up to the time when your people would drive you out of this city. Now Muhammad felt as though he were slapped across the face. He could not believe this. His people loved him. They called him as Sadiq al-Amin, the honest, the truthful. They couldn't possibly turn against him. They wouldn't. Will my people drive me out? He said. Yes, they will. They will turn against you and drive you out. Anyone who came with something similar to what you have brought was treated with hostility. And if I should remain alive till the day when you will be turned out, <coughs> then I would support you with all my strength and everything I have. Waraka had put his frail hands on Muhammad's shoulders. He looked at him with reverence and admiration. Khadija had her hand over her mouth. The look of awe was mirrored on her face. Muhammad backed away. He protested. This couldn't be right. Allah had chosen him to be a prophet? His people would turn against him? Him? But Waraka seemed confident and dismissed all his objections. There is no decision above the decision of the Lord. You have no choice, my nephew. As of this moment forward, you are the messenger of Allah. Peace and blessings be upon him. A young and unmarried Khadija saw the dazzling sun slowly setting lower and lower to the ground. She watched it setting right into her own home, right in front of her. Ayan Khadija finished explaining her dream to her cousin. Waraka ibn Nafa regarded her shrewdly. The sun setting in your home? Hmm. Well, this can mean one of two things. You shall either marry a very righteous man or a prophet. <laughs>